the rich kids is driving Benz. I'm still trying to hold on to my surviving friends. And it's crazy. It seems it'll never let up. But please, you got to keep your head up. Keep your head up. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. There you go, everybody. It took us two, three, three years, and then we finally, we finally did Tupac. We did it. We made it. We, we made this. Welcome you made to the, this happen. You made this. You caused this. You did this. Welcome back to the Continue Podcast. This is episode 29, and my name is Anthony John Agnello, and I am joined by my two favorite people on, on this green planet that is still green. For I've now. got staff. For now. For now. For now. Still green. Uh, we've got Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Hello. I'm drinking. <laughs> it's, it's like it's Dave, is the dr- Dave, Dave is what the Dreamcast was going to be if it had it had survived for like ten years, and the Dreamcast was like a going concern. They kept making it that whirring sound thinking, just like got sadder, yeah, like not and, like uh, louder, just sadder, just sadder. So it's no longer thinking; it's just drinking. Uh, we also have Susan Arndt. How Susan? Uh, it's been raining all day. <laughs> and yet, I managed to get all three of my dogs outside to poop. So I'm winning, honestly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's that's. They call that a hat trick, right? Like I, that's, you know, I will not top that achievement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get you get three dogs to poop. Yep. Uh, on an ice rink. That's how oh, hockey is. Yeah, that's, no. That's like, that's like, you know how they throw? Them. You know they throw waffles on on the rink, or or uh, or or they throw the octopus. This is like that. Yeah. Throw a dog uh, yeah, this exact, it's this, exact I gotta same thing. Stop, stop making sports references around you guys. You don't <laughs> know them at all. I mean, if you want to like liken it to Kingdom Hearts or like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. like you're I got it's like in Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, see, when, there you go. now you're speaking my language. Yeah, yeah. there's a mini yeah, game yeah, where you pee you're... on a toilet and it's like it's like <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Susan, if you had said it, like in Majima Everywhere, we would have been like, uh-huh, uh-huh, what listening. What the fuck is that? You got it, got it. It's a mode it's, in Yakuza Kiwami where Majima oh, just shows Jesus, up Jesus, I hate I both of you I so much. Susan, I can't believe you, like, you walked into it and asked what it was. He's everywhere. Don't do that. Don't. Jesus. Oh, God. Just... Uh, if anybody has forgotten what they're listening to, or this is your very first episode, the Continue Podcast is a podcast that is primarily about video games, but it is also about the many different cultural things that we indulge in, and we dive deeper into them and a variety of subjects related to them in a continuing conversation. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and this week, Dave is going to be kicking us off with a... I, I wouldn't even call it a requiem, because I don't think you think of the thing with that level of fondness. Dave is, Dave we're, is going to... We're going to dunk on Movie Pass. We're going to dunk on okay, Movie Pass. Bef- okay. You brought this up on the show before, and I thought it was something local. Like, your local theater... So, 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 give me the breakdown on what Movie Pass is again, please. Okay, yeah. So, oh, no, the local thing was just like every Tuesday they have five dollar movies. Okay, uh, for like all day, any like any movie except for like movies that just came out. Uh, no, so Movie Pass is sort of like if someone took the Netflix model mm-hmm. and made it about a physical thing that you go do. As opposed okay. to like streaming it to your house, so you spend uh, the recent incarnation is you spend ten dollars a month, and you get to watch one movie a day in a theater all month. So one movie each day, each uh, for an entire month. Uh, a two D movie, no three D, no IMAX. Hmm. But when sort of the program took off, because there this 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 program's been around for like five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, it's yeah, only it has, yeah, has it's only just been like the last year or so that it really kind of became this this like, this pop culture flashpoint where everyone's like, oh, I gotta get movie pass. Uh, I have a question because and, people realize that movies are really really expensive, expensive to go to. Yeah. Question: Yeah, is this 
any theater? Is this AMC theaters? Is any, this any theater that quote unquote participates in the program? Okay. Got it. Uh, okay. You can but like, like in, in the any everywhere you go, it's either Lowe's or AMC or Regal, and that's those yeah. are your only okay. options at this point. Yeah, Got it. and and a lot of them do. I don't know if AMC mm. like they, they've had like a weird relationship with this, but it literally is. You go to the movie theater uh, a little bit before your showing. You have to be at the theater because it uses your phone to detect your location. You hit a mm. button that says, "I want to watch Mission Impossible at seven o'clock." You hit the button. It literally loads the money for your ticket onto a credit card that they send you in the mail. You give them the credit card. They give you your ticket and you watch a movie. I can't, I can't cannot imagine believe why this, this failed. I, can't, yeah, I cannot believe how they became insolvent. I, 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 but, but, oh God, I have so many questions. All right, keep going. Okay, so when this program started, it was uh, I got the, uh, the the Wikipedia up here. It was rated uh, twenty five most disruptive apps of twenty twelve by Business Insider. Uh, yeah, fart noise. Uh, so it was founded in uh, twenty eleven by a lot of uh, backers involved with like let's see, major investors including True Ventures, AOL Ventures, tells you something. Mm. Lambert Media. Uh, so yeah, and. It started as, uh, let's see, they were going to have a low-end service from around $20 a month, ranging up towards a high-end service at around $100 a month with unlimited movies and available to 3D screenings. So, uh, and it was invite-only for the longest time. And then, like, they only had about 20,000 subscribers. Uh, and, like, it worked fine if you were in and you were willing to spend $100 a month. But it was in, uh, was it 2017, I believe, was when they, they're like, nope, we got bought out by an analytics firm. Aww. We are opening the floodgates immediately. And 10 bucks, 10 bucks a month. You can watch all the movies you want. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then they also apparently started a uh, movie production company that uh, oh has, my god has been mired in some scandal. What with Gotti? Oh so my Gotti? Yeah, like the movie. Uh, the, oh, the, the movie. I thought so, you meant like the guy. <laughs> yeah, no, the actual guy. No, okay. so okay. so you know how that movie had uh, like like zero percent critic rating, but had like an eighty percent audience rating, and all the ads were like, find oh, yeah. out why the cri-, like you know fake yeah, yeah. news. The critics don't want you to like it. Uh, there's evidence that a lot of the new accounts that left reviews for this movie and the other movie that they own were only left on those two movies oh, to gin up the audience score. Yeah. Bananas. So what? I, do, I wonder, I, I do wonder if at the analytics firm that acquired MoviePass and was just like, we're doing it, $10 for every movie. I wonder if they looked out the window of their stupid, horrible, rented loft space in San Francisco and floating in midair was Michael Eisner just staring at them like, you're doomed. <laughs> You're all doomed. So here's the problem with Movie Pass is that it's too good of a deal. So there's a scene in uh, there, someone tweeted this. And there's a scene in the office that it's like a perfect parallel where like Michael starts his own paper company and he's like, well, like you're stealing, like they're stealing all of the, his old jobs clients because they're like, we're just we'll just lower our prices. Uh, mm. and, and like, yeah, it's fun. And like, they got all of this business coming in and, and they're like, but so our, and they're talking to an accountant. Like, I don't understand how we're not staying afloat here. Our prices are what's making us like popular. And they're like, no, your prices are what's going to put you out of business. That's exactly what's happening here. People want this. Like people want to go see movies in a theater. They just don't want if they're going to put up with the bullshit of going to a mm-hmm. crappy chain movie theater, yeah, they don't want to pay the price for it. Right. So, so that's what MoviePass uh, was. Yeah. Here's the thing: you go twice in a month, which yes. is which is not a lot. No. Twice in thirty days, 
you've already exceeded what you've paid for that service. Yeah. You, I don't know about where you guys are, but you go once. And I don't, I don't live near the city anymore. Like, I am west of New York City. Oh, that's right. I only far, go to matinees, and, so I don't... Yeah. yeah. And f- I'm far enough away that I'm no longer dealing with New York City prices, you know, where mm-hmm. it's $17. Yeah. However, if you go to the movie theater here in, in Ithaca, New York, in the, at night for a normal time, it's $14. For it's one four, person? For a human being, <gasps> it is $14. So movie pass is, you know, if you're if you're going wow. one time, you're you're getting a, a you know, a, a 30% discount yeah. on your ticket. I will say, you know, I I find movie pass incredibly appealing and I would pay a, a, a very large sum of money compared to what they were actually charging for it to go However, I it's not enough getting the access. Like, if I was going to pay for a subscription to a movie theater, I would need it to cut out many aspects of the theater-going yeah. experience at this point. For I sure. would have to be guaranteed that I would have, A, an excellent seat in, like, in one of those theaters where they actually have the, the nicer, wider seating and mm-hmm. nice chairs, and it's assigned. Mm-hmm. And also, I would need to be guaranteed that the theater I walked into had no commercials, Number one, I'm not sitting through 20 fucking minutes of sizzling Coke bottles. What is you the You don't want to watch fucking... a student-made short film about oh Coca-Cola? My God. It's, so, it's so unappetizing. Like, I don't understand who told Coca-Cola that seeing a fizzing, roiling pot of hate coming out of a soda fountain is somehow going to make you thirsty. But just, like, hearing the, uh, like, this... There's always a close-up before the movie starts where it's like... <sighs> No, screw that. I, I, I don't want any any of that, and I want like half the previews because I don't want to sit there for thirty minutes before YouTube. the movie starts. You, you are you are an old man. Yeah, no, I, I I like four previews. Give me four trailers. And the thing is, though, is that and like one of them is always Willow. There are movie theaters that will cater to you, and they're the ones yeah. that are like successful because they're running leaner than like AMC. Mm-hmm. And they are providing a premium experience with for people who like going to see movies in, in public. Like uh, Alamo Draft House is opening mm-hmm. up locations mm-hmm. everywhere because mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea of a boutique movie theater is surprisingly popular. Yeah, it's just I think a lot of it does have to do with the the overhead of AMC, just the amount of money yeah. it costs to employ those places and keep them running and like especially because you have the to rent have rent alone yeah, has got to be 30 movie screens and yeah. yeah and then paying disney their 90% cut or whatever um yeah it's it's sad because i don't want to hate movie pass i think uh i think it's a great idea and i think like you're you're starting to see uh like speaking of amc they're actually kind of dabbling in this there's a stubs a-list program which i just looked up uh the other day a, a stubs the zombie <clears throat> no a- not stubs <laughs> the zombie it's not gonna sing uh hey mr sandman by cake no i apologize, I apologize. Uh, no it's called stubs a-list you can see up to th- so and the thing is it's a much more reasonably priced and and sort of reasonably structured program you get mm. three movies every week Instead Mm. of one a day. Wait, Uh, a week or a month? uh, uh, It's three movies every week, but you pay a month price. Uh, But you can see IMAX, you can see uh, Dolby Cinema, Real 3D, and Digital for uh, $19.95 a month. Which again, three movies a week? that's, that's, That's freaking a deal. That's a steal. And, you know, and AMC is banking on you going in and buying food. And oh, coming sure, back to yeah. AMC, and like the and the thing is with that, the money stays in AMC. Yeah, uh, and they're also banking on people not using the service. You go of see course. one movie. Yeah, who, um, like who goes to three different movies in a week? Yeah, yeah. every week. You know, uh, I, I only only in the year 2010 when I was laid off from my first big boy job, right, right. and then it was like I'm going to see Benicio del Toro in The Wolfman every day. <laughs> uh... I just want to see. I just want to see Anthony Hopkins turn into a wolf again. 
Spoilers. Please give me that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, what? Where do you guys see? Because I mean, movie theaters. Uh, I mean, well, like, like people wanted to go see Mission Impossible in theaters partially because of Movie Pass, and Movie Pass wouldn't let them because they were yeah. either, you know throttling the price or oh, saying like no. you literally you can't watch this until next week because oh. otherwise we're gonna be broke. Like they had to literally borrow five million dollars to keep the company afloat because people were going to use their card and were getting declined because the <gasps> money the company literally had no money last wow. that's, yeah. that's, like, that's their, bad their stock has tanked yeah. uh so i don't know like do you think that there is a place for the movie theater in 20 20- like i personally do because i'm a weirdo who likes going to see movies in a dark room with other strangers but like how do you guys see the movie theater do you in in this era where we have Netflix, we can have every movie beamed to our eyeballs whenever we want. Like, do you think that like movie pass something like it needs to exist for theaters to survive or can they survive without it? I don't know. I I think that the, the movie theater experience is at this point for big spectacles like the only reason I go to the theater at this point is when I don't want to deal with spoilers. Mm, That's yeah. it, right? Because I'm not going on a first date. I don't have children, right? So it's not like we got a babysitter. This is our date night, or the new Disney movie is out. We're taking all the kids. I don't deal with either of those situations. Mm. So I'm perfectly happy to to watch stuff in my home. I feel like now the what. The theater, what the trip to the movies used to represent, exists in other forms. Like, mm. if you want, need to corral a bunch of the kids, they're streaming on tablets, or you can you can use Netflix and stick them all in front of the TV, and maybe you take turns as parents. So it, it's the way consumers want movie content and have access to movie content has changed so the theater experience needs to change to be like an alamo draft house yeah to to have that two screen experience that they did with the little mermaid remember when they were doing the sing-alongs yeah 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 that was a genius idea i thought that was super cool yeah or or you know the the specific screenings where the kids can have active tablets and can, you know, stuff like that. So if you can make it an interactive experience, if you can, like, this showing is for children. We yeah. will have face painting and, and uh, you know, maybe interactive games or whatever. Like, maybe you download this interactive game for a dollar and there's a point in the movie where they stop and then Ariel comes on screen and is like, press the number four, you know, whatever. I think in order for theaters to, I think they need to be smaller, for one thing, yep. like this whole 30 screen multiplex, that's not sustainable. Uh, I was just going to say, not. Susan, the the thing, the, the reason that we're in this goddamn mess in the first place is I look, I love I love Star Wars still. Uh, I, I like Star Wars a lot, but Star Wars has a lot to answer for. And yeah. the sort of one two punch of Jaws and Star Wars at the end of the 70s said to all of the gigantic, uh, you know, uh, movie studios, uh, this is the wave of the future, is making these huge tentpole movies Mm -hmm. and packing as many people as possible in there. And the thing is, is the the Alamo Drafthouse model was the model. That's how movie theaters were supposed to work. Cineplex wasn't a word before the early 80s. And, you know, you need, like, this is just the slow demise of the large animal like this is a fucking dinosaur and there's not enough oxygen to support it in the environment anymore you can draw a direct line from steven spielberg and george lucas to to this the cineplex exactly it's those two guys because et raiders of the lost ark closing the sequels thereof Howard the Duck. No Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have you know I really like yeah. Radioland murders. So. <laughs> Ooh. But like, like that's that's the reality. Like it, this is this this sort of giant blockbuster. Yeah. Every single movie is a Disney movie thing, and that's the only thing that can sustain a Cineplex. Like it's fundamentally broken, yeah. and I'm I'm 
desperate. Like, I, I love going to the movies just because I love going to the movies. Like, I'm not yeah. in that place where I want to avoid spoilers. And I don't... I, I, nine times out of ten, if I'm in the theater, I'm by myself. Like, yeah, I right. like... I just... I like going... It's nice to be in a room where you have no distractions except for the movie in front of you. Like, right, exactly. Like, yeah, watching yeah. Lawrence of Arabia on a 70 millimeter print in a theater awesome. is a vastly different experience than watching it on my TV at home. Like it's the yeah. same movie. I still like it, but you need to get a bigger TV. Well, I'm saying. <laughs> well no, but no, you're, you're, you're completely uh, right. And uh, for me, a horror, the horror experience in a theater is infinitely better. It's unparalleled. It's unparalleled. And for well, sure. like that horror movies too, you know, the reason that horror movies stay such big business is that they are the only f- movies being made right now that are stylistically built to be shared by an yeah. audience. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, all movies were. I, I went to go see, uh, this is two years ago, I went to a 35 millimeter screening of Gremlins that mm. had a Q&A with Joe Dante afterwards. Oh, that's awesome. And like, packed packed to the gills 400 person theater not just breathing room only and you really remember like that that movie is supposed to be a comedy even in the grimmest moments that play really dark if you're by yourself the crowd is uproariously laughing because the movie is built for a shared room experience Mm -hmm. and dante himself afterwards is talking about like guess what every nobody can get a script like this made because studios only want to fund movies that are made to be watched on a phone. On a not phone. Even, not even on your TV in wow. your living room. They're not expecting anybody to be sharing the experience. So, you know, Dave, David like, David to, Lynch is like punching people right now. Oh, da- well, David, <laughs> David Lynch is just making Twin Peaks the return and telling the world to fuck off in the process. <laughs> I like it, 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 it to get back to your original like question, like what is the state of the theater? Like, I think uh, unlike many different things in the media landscape, I think that this is a very healthy course correction. Like, I feel that the the slow death of the Cineplex is going to allow people like the Alamo Draft House to step in and start to rebuild. Honestly, if I was the president of AMC or Regal or Lowe's, what I would do is I would try to start my own streaming network. And mm-hmm. you pay a monthly fee of 50 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you get to watch movies in the comfort <clears throat> of your own home. Or for it's... The- there's like a base fee and then you pay for the movie that you want to watch. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, and for like the biggest, the biggest of the biggest things, uh, make it like pay-per-view was 25 years ago. Yes. Char, char, like say to people like, oh, you want to watch uh, whatever, uh, Star Wars 1 billion. Uh, here, pay us $75. Yeah. And you, and you can have a party. Yes. And everybody can come and watch it in the comfort of your house. And if we want to maintain our real estate footprint and cater to the crowds who do want to go to theaters, cut the size of what you're doing, man. Yeah. Ha- have the size of your freaking operation. Or Ugh. take a page from the video game industry. It's exclusive to the theater for two weeks. Two weeks. Do it. And, do it. And, and after that, it's streaming at home. And season pass, and then get Ninja mm. to come into the theater and be like, What's up, bro? Drake's here for some reason. This is weird. Drake, Drake's here. <laughs> so, Drake is always here. Uh, I, I like, Dave, that, that as we're talking about like the death of theaters and, and the, the stylistic changes of film, you're like, David Lynch is just punching a wall. Uh, because David Lynch, I like that David Lynch's approach at this point is to just be like, I'm going to make whatever I want to make. And then the people that he works with, they say, no, you're going to make it our way. And then he's like, then I'm just not going to make anything. And then Showtime comes back and they're like, no, no, come back. Do whatever you want. Dude, you could have you can have all the quinoa you want. You you can have all the quinoa and broccoli you want, sir. Have you not Just seen? Please. Oh, Susan, have you not? She's like looking very confused. Have you not seen this video of David oh, Lynch cooking quinoa? Just, just no. it's, a, it's thirty minutes of David Lynch oh, smoking now cigarettes we're gonna and heat making up quinoa. The stove. 
Yeah. <laughs> we gotta put the quinoa in the water. It's a it's a, it's full of protein. It's a it's a grain. I like full. a healthy ancient grain. And quinoa is an ancient grain. <laughs> it's so, one of, and it's like black and white. It's one of the, one of the most magical things it's so I've good. ever seen on the internet. Uh, so what you what you you could probably at this point in 2018 you could probably make a video game about David Lynch cooking quinoa and broccoli and uh, you people play, on the internet. Uh, you should play David. Uh, David Lynch teaches typing. Yeah, D- David Lynch teaches typing. I was just—I I was going to say this okay. sort of exists. David Lynch teaches typing, and you can you can get that out there, and people will talk about it on Twitter for mm, let's say thirty-six hours. <laughs> so thirty-six hours, but then they'll move on. But you can't you can't go to a uh, you can't go to Insomniac and say here's one hundred and seventy-five million dollars for your next production that is about David Lynch making quinoa. Uh, Susan, you wanted to talk about something uh, askance to this. You wanted to talk about how there are there are certain things that video games just can't do. Can't, well, it's more like won't. So here's yes, yeah, won't, yeah, won't yeah. take won't. so, so uh, take the journey with me here. Do you guys remember a game called Vegas Stakes? I yes. remember Vegas Stakes. Okay, I absolutely For- remember it. For those who uh, may not be familiar, back in the Super Nintendo era, there were a number of casino games. And it was just a collection of the gambling that you would expect to find in a casino. Roulette, Pie Gal Poker, Slot Machines, Blackjack, all that stuff. Vegas Stakes, which was for uh, both the Game Boy and the Super Nintendo, added an element of of light story in that mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be you'd be doing your thing in the casino and someone would come up to you and say hey can you stake me 50 bucks i have a sure thing in the next horse race but i'm i'm tapped out i'll split my winnings with you and then you either stake them or you don't and then they either make good on it or they don't and these kind of random events happened while you were playing baccarat or whatever you were doing and that was why I really enjoyed Vegas Stakes because it just made it feel a little bit more real. Like, ooh, I'm really in the casino in this Susan, person's. Susan, you forgot to mention that what you have to do at the beginning of the story in Vegas Stakes, which is enter your goal. Like oh, Vegas, yeah, I don't Vegas even State, remember that. Ve- no, it's it's Vegas Stakes asks you what your dream is. Oh. And if you beat the story mode, mm-hmm. if you get to the end of everything, it's like you have achieved your dream. So if like you, if you, you know, except uh, there isn't a story en- mode, but yeah, like if you yeah. enter, if you enter your into into the the campaign, if you say yeah, like, if you will, I, yes, you know, I I want to be LeBron James, and you hit the money cap that is the money cap. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> at the end, it's like. And you became LeBron James. I don't, I don't think that's the same game, buddy. I don't. I don't isn't think that's Vegas Stakes. Isn't Vegas Stakes the Nintendo-made gambling game? No. Vegas Stakes isn't the Nintendo one? Don't think so. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry anyway. to interrupt your flow. Yeah. <laughs> There's another so, similar game that was like that yeah, on the Nintendo, yeah, Nintendo called uh, ha- Casino Kid. I played that where you're playing like a teenager in oh a God, casino, it's but it's like built like a JRPG, so it's like top down. You walk from table to table. You talk to people. It was neat. Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, Vegas Stakes, known as in Japan Las Vegas Dream. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no, no. I might be thinking of the NES one that came before it, which is called Vegas Dreams. It's the it's the Vegas Stakes before it was Vegas Stakes on the okay. Super Nintendo. Okay. Okay. That's my mistake. That's my, okay. Sorry. Made by the people that made Kirby. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so I was thinking about that and, and why it came up, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a modern version of this? Because the, the, the gambling stuff, the casino-type stuff you can get now is largely in the mobile space, and it's free-to-play, and you they stake you a certain number of coins to start, and then they get their money by you buying more coins and then for some of them you can real win win real money some you can't 
And it's all garbage. <laughs> uh, so I thought, wouldn't it be cool if there was Alice, baby girl? <laughs> That's a Gosh. dog? Yeah. I thought someone she's, was sawing outside your window. She's she's yeah. she's pawing at the carpet because she's there upset. Wasn't, I thought somebody in our group was daydreaming, and there was an actual saw no, yeah. in a bubble above them. Like no, she's she's out of sorts today because her mommy is upset. But anyway, so I thought it would be really cool if there was a modern gambling game about being a career gambler. Yeah. You. And, and maybe if you're down on your luck, you got to go to the seedy casino with the penny slots and you have to work your way back up. And maybe you borrow money from the wrong people or there are uh, hotels and casinos that have art collections. And maybe if you have a big marker, they're like, well, if you help us create, uh, commit fraud by mm. air quote, stealing this piece of art, we'll, we'll rip up all your all your debts and all your IOUs. There's all these different story elements that you could weave into the story, the narrative of trying to make it as a professional gambler. It will never happen. Yeah. Because while we were, you can be a hitman. You can be uh, the head of a drug syndicate. You can be a mercenary. That's all fine. But they are never going to let you be a professional gambler because it's too distasteful because gambling yeah. addiction obviously is a very real thing. Uh, you probably don't want teenagers thinking, this is this is it. No. I'm going to be a professional gambler. This is my ticket. It, so it, it, it just really got me thinking about, you know, we have Farm Simulator. I think we're up to 22, <laughs> which is a realistic... There's nothing cartoony. There's nothing cute. There's nothing. It is just super realistic farming sim. We have Euro Truck Driver. There's, uh, I think there's a, uh, there's many train driving ones that we got. Yeah. This will never happen. And it occurs to me that it's it's because no one wants to put that face forward. Yeah. Oh well, I, I like. I think it's important to come at this with the caveat of like, nobody's willing to do it at scale. Mm, like, yeah, okay. like yes, you know, yeah. like there, there, I always think about, you know, sort of the glory of the indie movement being where we're a decade into a world where something like papers, please can become sure. Like a, a zeitgeist defining release. And that's, that's absurd. Like nobody thought that somebody was going to be able to make a game where you're, you know, playing the border agent of a fascistic regime mm -hmm. but at the same time like nobody's gonna make papers please and give it a triple a budget i mean they nobody's... tried to do that it was this is vegas it never came out like <laughs> right yeah that's right this is vegas was supposed to happen yeah uh, on the playstation 3 and xbox 360 and activision's just like oh midway wait, the world recession oh midway yeah midway yeah closed. midway went under yeah, wasn't wasn't, wasn't uh, um, this is Vegas one of the things alongside uh, Sleeping Dogs that was acquired? It doesn't matter. Um, it, it was probably yeah. acquired and then quickly forgotten. Yeah, because like forgotten. this is never going to happen. Yeah, it's always it, it's a shame that that there is such limited reach in the AAA space, and it, it we are, like things are getting better, right? You know, seeing are they? Uh, well, somewhat, I think. You know, uh, the fact that Electronic Arts is willing to put money behind something like a way out. You know, like where you're saying like a prison break. Sure, it's a, sure, you know, sure. It's, it's at least a little bit askance of yes. the the uh, violence one. But that's not triple A. But that's not triple A. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh my God! Was I about to say something nice about David Cage? I refuse to say something nice about David Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I do, I do think, I think things are getting better in strangely superficial ways. Okay. You know, I, I think it's shocking to me that something like The Last of Us was as enormously popular as it was. Because so much, like, yes, The Last of Us has all of the hooks that a AAA game needs that something like where you're playing a career gambler 
you know, would be they would be absent. Like you couldn't really do it mm-hmm. unless you were making like a rounders game and there were shooting sections and you know stealth. That, or, exactly. Right. Like you exactly. need all those little. Yeah. That's the problem. Like like you do have interesting ideas. Like Last of Us being like uh, you know this is a game that is ostensibly about the experience of forming an adopted family, mm-hmm. right? Like, fi- like forming emotional bonds, but it's couched inside of all this familiar nonsense of jumping over right. things and, and, and bullets. And... Which, but imagine, which are... like, the L.A. Confidential, uh, uh, L.A. Noir, not L.A. LA Confidential, yeah. that's a movie, uh, L.A. Noir interrogation scenes. Right. But poker. Yeah, and that would be, and like, have that just I'd be the game. I'd play the shit out of that game. I'd play the shit out of that game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Susan, it's so funny. The the first thing that popped into my head when you brought up this topic, and, you know, you were saying to Dave and I, like, nobody is ever going to make the, the you know, $200 million PlayStation 4 exclusive Vegas stakes. Yeah. The thing that popped into my head was religion. Like, nobody, mm. you know, I... I it's so funny. I'm not I am not a religious person, but I love reading about religion. I love experiencing mm-hmm. other people's faith and and having discussions with people who are religious about what they believe in and you know what their their whole worldview is and their experiences. And it's so frustrating because video games relationship with religion is always just so simplistic and dumb yeah, yeah. you know very I, I, very cynical and negative a very lot of the time cyni- too just utterly utterly cynical and or like your two choices are cynicism or uh, utter shallowness and you know like if i if somebody said whoa there's lots of games where religion is explored like how many of them are rpgs where you have to kill god mm-hmm. and you can't can you Feel my air quotes, listeners. This is an audio format, but I'm finger quoting so hard you should yeah. feel it. But like that's that's the beginning and the end of it. And we get, you know, uh, games like Persona are are rife with references to various faiths and mm-hmm. very informed yes. by it. But it's not about that. And in the same way that like you, you nobody is going to make you the the AAA game that's about a career, uh, you know, a career gambler but there's mm-hmm. also never going to be a game where it's you know you are a a person of faith and that is the focus of gameplay like i like, i will counter with cassandra and dragon age inquisition oh yeah that's a good point because i i really appreciated that her mm. character development was all about faith it was all about questioning her faith and relying on it and having to defend it to people yeah. and and i i loved that because that was a very brave thing for the writers to do absolutely and and like and bioware when they were at their peak of storytelling mm-hmm. were able to do something like that much in the same way that we were talking about with like last of us or mm-hmm. you know or, or or these other examples where it's we're going to take the more complex difficult subject and we're going to couch it in the context of games sure uh yeah i like so susan for you you know what do you what do you think do you think we get out of this is there is there a point in the near future where there is the opportunity to to tell the the verboten story in the i i think honestly i think in order for us to be able to embrace all kinds of the same kinds of stories that we explore in film or or tv I think video game video games have to be emotionally accepted as adult entertainment. Absolutely. They're still so much seen as garbage that you're wasting your time and like, oh, I can't believe you spent all afternoon playing Fortnite. Like you spent all afternoon binging Netflix. Where's the difference? What is, is the difference? Exa- there is none. But or, like, or binging Instagram. Like I don't understand oh, why yeah, it's fucking ew. acceptable. For uh, a, an adult to sit there and look at Instagram for seven hours a day, yeah. But the but I play Super Mario Brothers and somehow that's juvenile. You right. take pictures of food. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a chef. You don't make. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's another one. Why don't we have a proper chef career game? A chef career, like yeah. ma- like actually managing yeah. a restaurant. You- 
you can make cook serve delicious and that's yep. wonderful but there's yep. no like i i want i i want that to just be the game like yes. don't don't put it inside of something else where i have to sit there and be like all right well you've laid out your menu you've hired your head chef but now you have to shoot all the mobsters yeah yeah. Oh no, the Ayatollah's here! Bang, 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 bang! Like, ugh, ugh. Yeah, I also wonder. You know, I I feel like this is very connected to our conversation about movie theaters, where mm-hmm. the scale of a thing has gotten to the point where, you know, there there is no there is no longer room for risk. Yeah, that, because like yes. in the you know like you had games like Vegas Stakes or Casino Kid because it costs. Well, you know, fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars to make those games versus now there's expectations. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the, and the the expectation was you make them cheap and you crank them out. It's yeah. like with movies. Uh, like like someone was talking about like, oh, people are fatigued about superhero movies, but did you know that six hundred westerns came out in nineteen sixty whatever? It's like, well, movies were just different then. Yeah, like, they made move. You just walked into a movie theater. And saw what was there. It yeah. wasn't an event. Yeah. In the middle of it. In the, in the yeah. middle of the movie. Like, you would just go into the middle of the movie and be like, yeah, I saw an hour of Fistful of Dollars, and it was fine. Oh, brother. Uh, you know, I, I'm i so sorry, Susan. I'm just so sorry for the words that are going to come out of my mouth. Oh, oh God no. damn it. But not to bring up Hideo Kojima again. Oh, my God! <laughs> No, I. It's it's why. It's well, at least why, it's not Breath of the Wild, right? It's not Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I, the re, the reason I was so excited by the uh, trailer at E three for mm-hmm. Death Stranding is the same reason that all the people in the video game enthusiast sphere were saying it looked like bullshit. They're like, "Oh, it's just a walking simulator, and you deliver things." I want to be like, "Awesome, yeah, awesome." Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I want, and then it's <laughs> and it's weird as shit. <laughs> The story, like, he's creating lore that's really interesting. If your lore is interesting, delivering packages becomes interesting. Exactly. The the end. Like, I don't I don't need to know how many guns there are and what sounds do the guns make and yeah. gun time McGunnerson. I don't need there to be guns. I don't need there to be any guns. I don't need there to be combat. Yeah. Guess what? If there's no combat, good. We don't need more games that are combat-based. Yeah. It's just boring, man. Like, I, I yeah. And, and like, I, I think at the end of the day, I, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's not just one side or the other. You said, Susan, the, the perception of games need to uh, mature past the idea of, like, these are a child's pastime. Right. And I think that there needs to be more of an admission on the point of gamers. Like, guess what? We can do things that are just as compelling if it's not violence. Right. There is you know? conflict that is other than killing people. Right. <laughs> like, there, I get that you want there to be conflict in your game so that you have that sense of accomplishment and feel like you have one yeah. totally reasonable there are ways to do that without yeah. going to shooty bang pew. Oh my that's, god, that's just good drama, you know. It's like you, you can you can make like someone trying to pay their bills interesting. You just gotta do it well. Mm-hmm. Find that find the conflict and drama in that. It's fine, mm-hmm. and make it a game. Do that, game developers, and you will find success. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you know, like another one that just occurs to me that I. Do you guys remember Facade? Uh, f- uh, okay, is that name ringing a bell a little it bit, Susan? It is, but I okay. don't... So once I, once I tell you what the premise was, Facade wasn't even a fully commercially released game. It was an AI experiment from like 2004 oh, yeah. or 5. And you know, it was 2005, and it was first person. You played in first person, and you walked into the apartment of a man and a woman who are married and are on, like, the brink of divorce. Right, And right. All, all the game is, is you naturally speaking to them and interacting. Right, it, it yep. was a It was a very much do whatever you want. Like, yep. y- you can walk in and be like, I'm just gonna hide in the bathroom for half an hour, and they'll <laughs> react. And uh, that one is something I did. 
I played like one of the first times I played facade was like, I'm just going to go into the bathroom and see what they do. And they do sit there for like 20 minutes. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then eventually they kick you out of the apartment. But like, you are I, weird. Get the yeah, hell out of our apartment. So, you, what are you doing? Stop reading our magazines. The rash of toilet sitters in this, <laughs> this city. But, but like, I, I would like, I, I, you can still download the original executable for Facade and play it, and it's so, it's so rough and janky and still admirable. But like at the exact same time, like I would kill to have a super modern, super functional version of that that's using modern versions of AI. It'd be fascinating. I'm just never gonna get that opportunity. You will uh, when you call the hairdresser to schedule an appointment. <laughs> Damn your eyes, Google! Uh, so, uh, the, the our third topic today is actually very intimately linked to what we were just discussing. And, uh, you know, Susan, can you say again what you just said about Death Stranding? If your lore is interesting... If your lore is interesting, then the most mundane task is interesting. God damn right. Uh, so... Not a video game, but a uh, video game adjacent. For the past week, I have been rereading uh, a British writer named James Roberts run on a comic book called Transformers More Than Meets the Eye. And if you're rolling your eyes because you think, oh, dear God, the Michael Bay movies. Oh, dear God, that cheesy 80s cartoon. Oh, dear God, the stupid, awful toy line from a billion years ago that was hacked together from a bunch of different toy lines. I completely agree. Everybody who's rolling their eyes is completely justified in rolling their eyes. Transformers, it was by its very nature, a mercenary operation. It's true. U.S. United United States businessmen saw a bunch of different unrelated toys in Japan, brought them over here, went to a guy at Marvel Comics and said, guess what your job this weekend is, kid? Give these stupid things names and relationships. And then that's, yeah, Megatron, Optimus Prime, do whatever. That's how it was made. And yet, James Roberts publishing this comic over the past six years now has made a story that is one of my favorite things in any medium ever. It is this insanely complex exploration of politics and religion and uh, a, a society defined by war and a caste system and what relationships and faith mean to life that isn't organic. Mm. Like some something that is like, so the entire premise of Transformers more than meets the eye is it starts at a place of, Oh, these things aren't fighting anymore. These dumb robots aren't fighting anymore. And they've been fighting for four million years. And what does post-war life mean to an entire species that has caused untold destruction on the universe? What does that mean for people that are functionally immortal? And how does that change the way they live? And you get a story that is about everything uh it's about characters experiencing gender fluidity it's about people uh you know sort of reconciling faith when they don't have a clear-cut uh concept of mortality in the way that human beings do it's it's amazing and it's it's difficult to talk about because it is incredibly dense uh in the same way that trying to sum up uh 35 years of star trek shows or 50 years of Doctor Who can be these, these really big sci-fi subjects. Uh, and reading it, I've been thinking a lot about how, like, oh my god, this, is, this comes from dumb little plastic toys that were made under, made and marketed under sort of the worst circumstances. And that got me thinking about science fiction like Doctor Who, where it's incredibly silly. Like saying, like, oh, there's an immortal man that everybody loves and he does good things and we only have $10 to make an episode of the show. <laughs> it's, like, that shouldn't work. That shouldn't work. But it, in both cases, they do work and they, they are able to explore some of the richest parts of human experience that you can possibly explore. 
And I, I'm, I'm, I wanted to pose to both of you, what is the secret to elevating material that seems laughable? Like, I truly believe that any story can work. Any story idea, any premise, any character can work, provided the execution is great. But it's all about what what is that execution? What is the secret sauce? Susan, you said if your lore is good, then your conflict can be interesting. Like is is lore it? Is all you need like the details? No, no. Those those uh, can certainly elevate things immensely. It doesn't really matter if you've only got ten dollars for special effects if the things that people are doing are, are really really interesting. I think what you really need is you need to have heart. You need to Mm -hmm. be talking about things that people struggle with and connect with and think about at 2 a.m. when when they're awake. I mean, yeah, Doctor Who is is dumb. It's a dude with a magic (laughs) wand. I was the first person to – I mean, it was created as a children's show. But ultimately, the things that it talks about – is being kind yeah. and helping people who need help. for Not because you're going to get personal gain out of it, but because it's just the right thing to do. And the the more recent uh, seasons have been very overt about that message. but And they've also dealt really heavily with loss and, mm-hmm. and disappointment. You know, someone who you really trusted just letting you down because... People aren't perfect, and and sometimes they make mistakes, and sometimes they just plain fail. Like that's major, and, but it's all wrapped in this this you know uh, costume of dude with the sonic screw sonic sunglasses. Sorry, <laughs> he doesn't have a screwdriver anymore. There's sunglasses. Wait, no, there's no there's sunglasses now. There's sunglasses. Sonic Ray-Bans? Like what are yes. they? Yes, he yeah. I mean. <laughs> Uh, I have their, trouble imagining Doctor Who being like, hold my Oakleys. It's he, <laughs> to, to the show's credit, uh, they made it so like it he can scan things and it comes up as like a heads up display. Oh, so Doctor it's giving him the information. Hole? Huh? He, a glass hole? You know, yeah, basically. Google, yeah, yeah, yeah it's like Google Glass, glass but on yeah. Gallifrey. Yeah, it's Gallifrey glass, basically. <laughs> But but yeah, I mean like that's just dopey as heck, but the the yeah. message is still very very relatable and tangible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny, I, you know, heart I was I was literally going to say compassion is the secret. And I I I think that when you say compassion, people confuse that word for joy or or like just just general kindness like yeah. general like like you know they i think when people hear the word compassion they just automatically think of the human equivalent of going up to a dog and being like good boy oh who's a good boy and no, compa- they, they hear they hear compassion and they think bringing over chicken soup when your friend is sick exactly and that's not what compassion is like compassion is difficult and compassion is is you know truly uh, embracing both sympathy and empathy at the exact same time, just uh, imagining both your own human experiencing uh, human experience and the human experience of others. And if you can infuse your story about, like, you could make a freaking tricks rabbit story that takes the tricks rabbit and and find a way to make that story truly affecting and great if you could find the pathos inside of this yeah. miserable albino desperately <laughs> trying to steal breakfast cereal from children. Uh, Dave, what do you think, man? I, what, what is for, it for you? For me, I, I think it's just it's being true, you know? Yeah. Like, it, like writing things that feel true. That, like... Um, like it's he's not like a one of my favorite writers is Haruki Murakami and he's considered like literature like he's he he, he you would find him in the fiction section he's not like sci-fi though he's dabbled but like oh man I would, I, like half his books are sci-fi I mean, they, they, wait is like, he is he the uh uh uh, uh never let me go yeah, uh, Wind Up Bird Chronicles yeah one Q eight four yeah uh, never let me go is 
freaking phenomenal. Yeah, he does a lot of uh, magical realism kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, I w- like he's an amazing writer, and it's not because his prose is complex. It's not because yeah, he he writes like you know like you read someone like Pynchon and just like wow, I just it's like reading a textbook. Like this guy, <laughs> he's great with words, but like by making the the words and sentence structure very complex and like you have to dig into it but like murakami will write like a simple story about a guy having problems with his girlfriend and confiding in someone and then that guy meets with the girlfriend and then he just says something and i stare at a page for like 10 minutes like i can't move on past that line because it's just like like he like in the midst of this really simple story, it's just, like, one nugget that just cuts to the heart of everything. And I think that's something that, like, that pop culture can do, too. It's just being true, understanding the source material, and knowing it enough, and having confidence in it enough to mm, make mm. those characters say those true things, and then having faith that your audience is receptive to it. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, and because audiences aren't stupid. Like, the the Walking Dead uh, video game blindsided me. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. And it, and even, like, that game is simple. <clears throat> it's just a story about people trying to survive and finding what little hope they can. And it's a story of growth, and it's zombies eating people. Yeah. But there's, there's a core to it. And there there's truth... To moments in that game too and i think like that's why it resonates with with people even transformers you know even transformers i I, you know i don't want to speak for both of you but i i feel like all three of us connected with the persona series namely persona 4 and 5 precisely Mm -hmm. because you know like yes we love the combat and we love the customization and the the fiddling with personas and social links to maximize the way the battles work and all that gotta go get those hamburgers dog yeah gotta gotta go rent those dvds and watch them (laughs) at night uh but you know the 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 heart the truth the compassion all of those things are are what that game is actually about you know it's it's saying to yourself, how am I going to spend this day in the game? Not because it's just going to make, you know, my attacks hit harder, mm-hmm. but it's also like, what am I going to share with these characters? And what does that remind me about being a goddamn person? Yeah. Right. Being a fucking human being. And, and how does this feed back into it and enrich my life when I'm talking to other beings, human beings and being a human? Yeah. Being? That's 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 the magic, man. You know, if you if you think for a second that God of War was such a sensation this year because you know it's got the most dramatic graphics, those sweet axe physics, it, it, or those it's sweet got all those drops, man. If it's got all the peas and the sweet drops, if you think that that's why, and not because people are directly responding to the relationship between Kratos and Boy. You're you're fucking out of your mind. Yeah, like like all of these things. You know the 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 games that people return to over and over and over again as are canon. The things that mean the most. Your Shadow of the Colossuses, your Personas, your uh, even your Half Life. Half Life. People talk about Half Life twenty years after the fact, not because of those dope ass levels. They they talk <laughs> about it because. You know, Gordon Freeman is the the first, you know, nameless, voiceless cipher that you could totally project yourself into. And there is a real humanity in playing that character. Well, it's like one of my favorite movies is uh, Akira. And you come for the dope motorcycle and the sweet, like, sci-fi setting. And then, but you come back over and over again because there's something else there. Yeah. And that's that's the important thing. That's, That's what separates art from just popcorn you know yeah um one of uh uh i i started watching uh doctor who when i was about eight years old Mm. and i have regularly said that it is part of why i am who who i am today and part of that is there's an episode called Genesis of the Daleks. If you know anything about Doctor Who, you know the Daleks are the bad guys. 
super bad, capital B bad. No redeeming features. These are, they are evil. The doctor ends up at a particular moment in their development as creatures where he can kill all of them. <laughs> One fell swoop. He will prevent them from becoming the things that go on to terrorize the universe. All he has to do is touch two wires together. And he's about, and, and, and he, he, he can't do it. And his companions are like, basically, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? These guys are demonstrably evil. He's like, do I have the right? Do I have the right to destroy an entire species? And he he's really struggles with that. And let me tell you about the the impression that made on my young mind. Because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand why he's not. They're bad, and bad people need to be gotten rid of. And then he he gives his speech about, do I have the right? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, dumb shit can be important. Yeah, I, I you know I it's it's so silly because like, because how how many how many times can you write about a video game that is thirty years old uh, and that you played for the first time thirty years ago? But Bionic Commando, like I I yeah. I, I you know I, part of the reason that I do this uh, as my career is because I played Bionic Commando and like yes. That grappling hook is dope as hell. Sweet! It's really totally good. Totally rad. Blowing up Hitler's face is the coolest. But the reason I'm still thinking about that game 30 years later is at the end of that game, it's it maybe, maybe 30 seconds long. But at the end of that game, you went there to save a human being. One human being. You want, you're there to stop the bad guys. You're there to stop freaking nazis like there's there's no more admirable violence goal in video games stopping nazis but you're there to save one person that person is not there as you're escaping the facility and the credits are about to roll and you see your guy run back in and then you just see an explosion huge explosion the facility's exploding and it's that classic 1980s pixel art capcom all the all the fireballs look weirdly puffy and soft and the next shot is you see a helicopter chunkily animating flying away and you see the grappling hook guy holding another person and then it zooms in and like it's like there i am and then before the credits roll there's like a a photo, like a Polaroid of them celebrating with the date. And like, who does this? There's like a little narration before the credits roll. And it's just like, that was years ago. And I remember my friend. And now I can tell the story of us. Oh and my God. Oh, oh, one line. Oh, one line. One line. And it stuck with me for three goddamn decades. Wow. That's heart. That's yeah. heart. That's truth. That's how you make a dumb game about uh, shooting parachute men and Hitler in the face into something that fucking endures. Oh, man. You know what? I get choked up when I talk to you guys. And I get choked up when I think about the lovely people that make this show happen. You see segway. that? Segway. You see that segway? <laughs> that one's for you, Tupac. Uh, <laughs> that's for you, Why? dog. Because he started our show. Because Tupac okay. started our show today. Dave, who made this happen? Uh, oh, my, my Skype glitched out. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I said, Dave, who made this happen? All right. Uh, Patreon changed their layout. Uh, so, okay, here we go. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so we've got uh, our special shout outs to... Uh, Mirko Rico Torino, Ryan Brady, John, Nick Rugen, Double Taco, Peter, Gluttony One of Seven, Yaddle, Ryan Mance, uh, Michael Coffey, Logan Pauly, Derek Sanskrit, Francisco Arias Guimaraes, Axel Olson Mangholt, Tom, Elio Dare, Denton Brock, Daniel Squire, Damian Michalise, Chris Cook, uh, Olmec, Eric Van Quill, Shane N Nilsson, Kalen Houston, Tim Chester, Patreon royally screwed up. My whole list is out of order. Jose <laughs> Bulletbob of Cordova, Skip Dippity, Jacob Christos, Tyler Nilsson, Matthew Peters, The Fancy Manatee, Chris Stubbs, L Ludwig Kitzman, Thierry Belair, Stormshot. That's it. 
Man, <laughs> Patreon, like, apparently there's some weirdness going on, too, with, like... Yeah, with the payments. with payments and, like, fraud stuff. Like, like not... Yeah, like, not like not only declining people's payments, but saying that there was fraud going on. Whoa! So, yeah, what? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and now I looked at my patrons page, which is normally in the same order every time I access it. And this time, they've changed it. That displeases me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I hope, we fear uh, change. Yes. Um, I hope I got everyone, though. Sounds like uh, it. Well, th- thank you, everyone. And for anybody who is a patron of the show, thank you so much. And we're sorry if you've experienced any of the difficulties with Patreon. That sucks, and hopefully it'll work out. If you are not a patron of this show and like what you have heard, you can go to patreon.com slash continue podcast when it is functioning and donate to this show. Every single dollar helps. Uh, and we're, we're targeting our next goal where we're going to improve all of our recording gear, which we would love to do. Uh, and if you don't feel like giving us money, the next best thing is going to iTunes and leaving us a review. And it just so happens that if you leave us a review on iTunes, and, and it doesn't matter what kind, we would prefer a good one. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, you are entered don't, into. Don't, don't feel compelled to leave shitty feedback. Yeah, don't, don't, don't please. I mean, email it to us. Email it to us because yeah. if we we want to improve, but and, and our Twitter it, our Twitter DMs are always open. Indeed, We're reachable. Yes. Uh, but if you do leave us an iTunes review, you're entered into a drawing for a free game. Uh, Dave, who's uh, getting the game? All right, I got the winner here. Oh, also, if, if, it's not just uh, iTunes reviews. If you if you tag us on Twitter, like share the link to the to the Patreon or uh, the episode, and tag at ContinuePod in the tweet. I'll put you on a list here. And our winner this week is uh, J Matthew 007 for leaving us a review on iTunes. Yay! Hooray! Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Please share the show. Uh, And as Susan has said in the past, if you have a friend who is a woman, if you have a mother, if you have a sister, if you have a daughter, and they enjoy the things that we discuss, please share our show with them. It would mean a lot to us. Uh, Susan, where can the folks find you otherwise on the internet? Uh, You can find me on Twitter, uh, at Susan Arndt. My DMs are indeed open uh or you can check me out every week on pocket gamer this week i told you all about faristas which is where a game where you're the manager of a cat cafe tight that sounds awesome yeah dave where can the people find you you can find me on twitter at david robots and you can check out my letterboxd account at letterboxd.com slash david robots i just watched network the other day the first time. That's before a, bed, which was not a great idea. That's a, that's a feel good movie. It's yeah. like it's like uh, it's like you ever got you guys ever watch Nightcrawler? Oh no! Oh my god! I'm so, oh god! I'm scared oh. to watch it. I'm scared to watch it's, it. It's you will. It's it's excellent. It is. It, that's the thing. Like it looks so awesome, but I don't want to feel dirty for like seventy two hours. And you will. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> this is like it's like the proto that. It's like like that same kind of like oh. Oh, oh, gross. Oh, okay. Great movie, though. Oh, Fantastic. Boy. Oh, man. Ned Beatty's uh, great. Yeah, I, I'm, well, mad as hell. Can't take, I'm not going to take it anymore. Uh, everybody, you can follow me on Twitter, at a John Agnello, uh, where I talk nonsense. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, we'll see you later. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.